Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. I have a question. Uh, do you remember the first time that you felt something was unfair? Do you have any memories of the, yeah, the Enneagram ones in the community are like, um, do you mean like pre-gestation or like after I was like, <laughs> it's in my DNA. Uh, do you remember the first time you thought something was unfair? Um, I remember when I was, I think it was fourth grade. My parents who are watching this can uh, verify. Uh, so I was in fourth grade, uh, Tyler, and it was like a, uh, I was in Cub Scouts and there was a magician who came and did a little show and there I was sitting there and um, just loving it or whatever. And he asked for a volunteer. And since I was still Tyler, back when I was in fourth grade, I said, yeah, okay, I'll volunteer and I'll do this. And so, um, so I, I go up to the stage and um, he had this magic wand that ha- it was like a bunch of different parts. And if you held it a certain way, it looked like a magic wand. But if you hold it the wrong way, then it, it, it falls over, right? And so he was like, okay, uh, Tyler, thanks so much for coming up here. Um, if you could just hold my magic wand while I set this up. And then I held it, and of course, it fell over. He's like, oh, that's weird. And he grabs it, and he... It goes back up and he's like, no, 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 Tyler, just hold the magic wand and doing this. And meanwhile, I'm in fourth grade and it goes down and people are starting to laugh and stuff. And I just remember feeling that like hot fourth grader heat that was like, this is unfair. And so, and we kept going back and forth and eventually <laughs> I took the magic wand and I whipped it over my head and I threw it <laughs> against the back wall. <laughs> And then I just was like, (laughs) (laughs) because sometimes in justice, if you're losing the game, you say, we're not playing the game anymore. So, uh, (laughs) so that was, um, that was one memory I have. Um, I was I was at my my niece's birthday party uh, yesterday. She uh, turned six, and uh, yes, very very young. And um, and she has a younger sister, so it's she's six and her younger sister is two. And so uh, they were cutting out cake, and for um, you know for the six year old, they cut out like a, a, a you got the first slice and like here's your cake or whatever. And then the two year old got like a two year old size slice, like an appropriate two-year-old size slice. And even though this two-year-old is like barely verbal, you could see in her eyes exactly the, she was looking over at these slices of cake. The six-year-old's was bigger than hers. And even though she doesn't have object permanence yet, like even though she like literally thinks people leave the room when they do peekaboo, she was a th- astrophysicist figuring out the exact dimensions of that cake <laughs> and her cake. And she was like, wait, 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 wait. We are not playing this game. And she started kind of like pointing and screaming and stuff. And <laughs> I just love that because I, I, I loved it as an uncle. I don't know if the parents <laughs> loved it, but I loved it as an uncle because it reminded me that kids, even from a very, very young age, know what fairness is. They know kind of like what 
is what is owed to them, what other people, how people should be treated. They intuitively know fairness. And God intuitively gives us anger to be able to correct fairness. Anger is this gift so that when we see unfairness, so we, can, we can start uh, doing something about it. And even children understand that. Um, especially children understand that in some regards. And so when we talk about this concept of justice, what we're talking about is like, how do we approach this God-given intuition of what is right and wrong using the God-given gift of anger and all of the other gifts we have available to us to be able to create a society where all life can flourish? That's what I'm talking about with justice. And this is a slightly different definition. I see folks uh, taking notes in their worship companions, love it. Um, uh, so this is a slightly different definition than what you might think of injustice if you're just watching the news. Like a lot of times when people think of justice, um, they think of the images that we chose for this sermon series, like uh, demonstrations and action and protests and, uh, and uh, 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 marker-made little signs on tag board, like that's what justice is. But really, like any organizer, or any activist can tell you that this is a, a relatively small fraction of what is required for justice. This is kind of like the most visible part of justice, but so much of justice is much subtler, is much more interpersonal, and is um, in some ways quite slow. And so it's not just tag board and markers that makes justice, it's like a commitment to uh, a new world, and that permeates all of our life. Um, if it were just tag boards and markers, then that one scene of, you, have you ever seen Love Actually? Where he, you know what, you know what I mean, where he shows up and he just has like the messages where he's just dropping wastefully all these tag boards. It's like, that wasn't justice. <laughs> that wasn't social justice. That was just a rom-com. And so how can we transform our activism from being a rom-com into actually creating a new world? How can we not just make this about performance of activism or the theater of being one of the good ones of one of the social justice people, but actually changing it into the transformation of the world. How can we actually go about doing this? And we have a masterclass from Jesus right there in the scripture. And so there are five things that I want to point out to you about the scripture that we just read. Five things that I want to point out to you. Um, so uh, here we have some of our reading, and, um, and we learned five things about justice from this reading. So first off, uh, Jesus was walking alongside the Galilee Sea. The first lesson is that justice happens in a particular place. Like, a lot of times we kind of think of justice as this, like, ethereal, amorphous, like, you know, we care about justice, and that means kind of anything, or it's, it's, it's um, a-contextual. But what Jesus is trying to show us is that justice has an address. Justice starts in a place. Stonewall Inn was a place. Seneca Falls was a place. Ferguson was a place. George Floyd Square was a place. Justice starts in a particular place. There is, there is a locality to it. And so one of the ways, if you care about justice, that you can get going into this work is to get connected to a place, to root yourself deeply into, into a space, uh, a neighborhood, a, a sense of gathering and belonging, because justice has a address. Justice uh, happens in a place. And, and of course, nowadays, uh, that place might be the internet. Gosh, you know, I'm a member of the queer community. 
the queers have, I, I don't know if we invented the internet, but we might as well have invented the internet. You know what I mean? Like, like queers find a way to find each other. We're <laughs> like, we, there are queers in like rural, rural Alabama who are like making their own Wi-Fi networks in house using like duct tape and, and a, and a, and a clothes dryer just to be able to like connect with people. Cause queers are really good at connecting pe with people. And so like, <laughs> you know, like that, sometimes that online space is the only space for, for folks. Sometimes that online organizing space is the only space for folks, for folks who, uh, who, who are having a shared experience of you. And of course, um, the cost of that, though, is that online space is kind of like a, um, like, kind of like a train station where, like, there's a lot of people going through it, but you might not have a deep engagement of people within an online space. And so, you know, uh, uh, we created Circle as an organizing space for New City Church, specifically so that people could have their place. And there are folks who are joining us on the online community who are like, this is my one spot to be in church together, right? Like this is their one place. But we always kept as part of our strategy in-person gatherings because, because we really believe in the depth that being in person allows you to have in ways that online can sometimes, it, it's possible, but it's just harder. Um, and so, for example, the Incarnation Fund is having a retreat coming up this first week of August. Yes, 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 yes. And we are flying in people from all over the country who participated in this Incarnation Fund ministry to be able to do an in-person retreat here in the Twin Cities. We are flying folks in from New York, from Alabama, from Chicago, from Michigan, because we believe that this kind of like in-person thing is a special kind of thing while also creating space wherever we can make it. And so, so justice happens in a particular place. I also want to name that justice happens with particular people. Jesus wasn't just like, hey, if all y'all want to join me and do this like world-changing movement thing, then I'll be over here. Okay, yeah, I'll see you over there. You know, like Jesus was like, I'm going to call particular people. I'm inviting my squad. I am assembling people. And, and if you are trying to create justice in your life, then the question that follows that is like, who are the people that God has put in your life to be kind of your justice squad, to be your team, to be your support in this? I know that this is kind of hard because um, there's kind of this like Hollywoodization or romanticization of what a justice maker is supposed to look like. And we see these influencer activists who are like, perfect and they and they have great communication patterns and they're and they're saying all just the right things they're showing up to all the places all the time and a lot of times people ironically feel helpless from influencer activism because they're like well none I'm not like that none of these people in my life are like that so how are normal people supposed to start justice and Jesus was like start with the people who are around you who are the people in your immediate circle right now who are the like laborers in the, in the field or on the lake? Who are the working class folks who you can start talking to right now? I'm gonna guess that Simon and Andrew did not have like P 
PhDs in social change. And I, I'm going to guess that they weren't like influencers before <laughs> this whole thing. But God looked at normal people and said, I need the hands of normal people to create an entirely new world. It's going to take everyone to change everything. And, uh, and that starts with the normal people in your circles today. Third, uh, uh, justice requires change. You know, justice requires a certain level of, of commitment, of being convinced that something happens. Uh, another way to say this is that um, if the justice that you're seeking does not require change, then we probably already have it. It's probably already there. The whole reason why <laughs> we're striving for justice is because something has to change. And if something has to change, then why not start with me? If something has to change, then why not start in our own lives? If we are so disgruntled and dissatisfied with what we're reading in the news, then why not start some change ourselves, right? So, so justice necessarily requires a little bit of, a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of buy-in, a little bit of something is different. I don't know if you've ever um, been agitated by a community organizer. Have any of you had the pleasure? The de it's kind of like exfoliating in that it's like, okay, ow, but I'm shinier now. So, it's a, so agitation, uh, for those of you who are not in community organizing world, like agitation is when uh, someone who has a, a, a level of relationship with you points out how your values and your actions are not aligning. And so like agitation is a, is a tool that always has to accompany relationship, by the way, like, like the deeper the, ag the agitation, the deeper the relationship that's required. But um, agitation is like, like I, in, I remember in my um, community organizer training, they were like, um, agitation is going up to uh, uh, someone who says that they're passionate about um, uh, after school programming for their child because uh, both their parents are working and this is a poor neighborhood and we need after school programming. Going up to that parent and being like, you say that you care about your kid, but you didn't show up to the PTA meeting when you said that you would. What's going on there? And then just letting the like heat of that transform people. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. It's, it's so not Minnesotan. Oh gosh, you guys. For us, we're like, oh, um, you know, I know that you totally dropped the ball and you didn't come to the thing that you said you would come to and you didn't bring the thing and you didn't bring people, but you know, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We're gonna be fine. Here, uh, here's, I brought, in fact, I am sorry to you. Because, because I should have, you know, it's probably my fault too. Okay, here's a sandwich, I'm sorry. Like this is, <laughs> this is <laughs> that's kind of what it's like to, for those of you who are outside of Minnesota, that's kind of what it's like to live in Minnesota. And um, like, it, uh, justice requires some kind of change. And we, we, uh, we discern what that change has to be in community. Um, and, and, uh, Fourth, I just want to name that justice improves the lives of the marginalized. And so here we have uh, Jesus uh, going around to folks, actually legitimately changing their lived condition. It materially improves what is going on. And this is important because um, there's a lot of folks, myself included, who have these liberal art degrees, who are up on a discourse, who use fancy words like intersectionality and Latinx and, and all of these uh, uh, different, <laughs> which by the way, there's a, okay, yeah, 
Can we talk about Latinx for a second? There was a poll. I'm really curious about the Spanish speakers in the room. There's like, um, I think it was like, um, well, what, uh, it, this is an Ibu Patel's book it, where he was like, they did a survey of number of people who are from Central or South America who use the word Latinx. And it was like 75% of the people don't use the word Latinx. And like half of that don't even know what, that even is and so do you see like kind of the irony of what's going on here where we're like you we're like well we can't say latino and we can't say latina so because that's gendered and so we have to use latinx but then the people whose language this is are like what and so like you know we can go in two directions with that we can either do like what inclinix unidix does and like really lean into this and have some like base building and, and education around that. Or we can use Latine, which is neither Latino or Latina, but it still is pronouncing it with a vowel sound so that the language is still usable. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm getting at? So, um, uh, so it has to materially improve the lives of the marginalized folks. Like if, if we uh, were to change all of the signs so that now every sign is going to say Latinx, but that doesn't actually improve the lot, materially improve the lives of Latine people, then we have not accomplished justice, right? Like this is like kind of what we're trying to wrestle with here. We're trying to create things that actually improve the lives of people like soon, like, like today, like not improving the lives of people like in five centuries, but trying to be like, okay, how can we get free now? Um, and then uh, lastly, uh, you know, we were hearing about the large crowds following him in Galilee. Um, justice creates momentum. Justice is like a, like a forward energy kind of thing. Justice is like, after you, in, in an ideal world, after you complete a campaign or after you get something done, by the time you're you're doing the next one, you have like more people, more energy, we're moving forward, we're creating broader impact. That's kind of the goal. And the reason why <laughs> that's important is because there's a lot, I, I love y'all, I love justice makers, I love people who care so deeply about things, and sometimes justice makers will just like run the movements or run their own activism in a way where they burn themselves to the ground and just run themselves down to nubs, little nubs of justice. And then, and then, you know, the next time there's an orchestrated governmental effort to destroy our people, we're like, oh, I can't even do any, I can't even get out of bed because of how broken I am, right? And so, like, the reason why I added this is because they're, they're, we're trying to create something that outlives us to quote Hamilton, uh, we're trying to we're trying to create something that that extends beyond us, and if we're going to do that, then then we kind of have to like be building up uh, kind of some momentum. Of course, that's not a, a steadfast rule. Uh, uh, when Jesus was crucified and everyone was like abandoning him right and left, that was not a very uh, momentum building action, but it did create a movement that changed the world. So I, I don't want to say that like always, 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 um, the momentum is the number one rule, but I do think that there has to be a sense of like, are we building something that truly and joyfully is bringing in a new world? So I don't know, when you look at this list, what comes up to you, if, uh, which one of these is the hardest for you or, or which one of these is kind of prickly to you or exciting to you or, or something that you haven't thought of yet. Um, but I want to name that from this story, we've got these five lessons of Jesus calling the disciples. 
However, there's a missing ingredient here. There's something missing here that is super duper important. So important that if we don't add it, then we will create exactly the opposite of what we're trying to create. Because if you look at these five ingredients or these five learnings, guess who else has done this? Like dictators, like authoritarian states have momentum. And, and, and in, in some cases, improve the lives of, of certain marginalized, you know, like there's like nationalism capitalizes on a lot of these learnings as well. Like anyone who's trying to build movements, the, even, even the folks who are like the anathema of New City Church, the very opposite of New City Church, are doing some of these five things. And so, so it's, it's like there has to be another thing that is added into this combination for this to actually be about justice. And, and that, for Jesus, was certainly talking about the kingdom of God. Certainly an imagination of the kingdom of God uh, was the thing that made this a set-apart movement from any other social movement in the history of history. The kingdom of God, of, of this concept of, of our creator making a new thing, is the missing ingredient. The kingdom of God imagination is the thing that we must cling to, that, that people who choose to identify as Christian can cling to, to create a new world. The kingdom of God. Now, um, I know that there are some folks who are joining us who are like, I'm kind of new to Christianity. What is the kingdom of God? Or better yet, I grew up uh, in a tradition of Christianity, oh, you know what I'm going to say, where it's like the kingdom of God is like just another like proxy for white nationalism, <laughs> where it's like we have to build the kingdom of God and genocide everyone. Like that is uh, like the way that Christianity has been talked a lot about in the West. Woo, Lord have mercy. And, um, and, and what, but when we look at the text, when we remember that the Bible was written before Europe existed, <laughs> You know, like, when we remember that this is recounting a profoundly decolonized society of, of folks who are trying to make it underneath a, a Roman empire that is like, uh, uh, that I suppose is... I should say, a profoundly modern decolonized society. They were super colonized by the Romans. <laughs> the Romans were terrible. Oh my gosh. Uh, the emperor was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just name myself Lord and tax. Have, we're going to have taxation without representation and I'm going to crucify anyone who uh, opposes me. That was the situation that they're operating in. And Jesus said, there is an imagination seated in you that can tell you that something isn't fair. There is there's a certain instinct that the, the colonizers are, are trying to quiet down. There is a whisper of what a new world might be. And you've known this since you were a kid. Listen to that voice and start to imagine with me that there is a creator who put that there for a reason. Listen to the voice of the genuine, as Howard Thurman calls it, and start grasping 
that that wasn't just because of, of some evolutionary fluke, even though God works through evolution, but rather that there is a certain like revolutionary impulse in you that God put there on purpose because God is counting on you to create a new world. Imagine that God was like, man, things are messed up, but I'm going to put this revolutionary whisper into your heart, into your soul, into the parts that no colonizer can touch so that you can go out in the world and transform the very things that are separating us from the love and liberating life of God. God is seated in you exactly what you need to start right here with the people around you right now now. That is what we're talking about with the kingdom of God imagination. That It's not something that you have to be like, okay, I'm forcing myself to believe this. It's like there's kind of already a lot of pieces there in your soul. There's already a wisdom that God has implanted there. And like when we're in community, we can start to pull that out of each other. Amen? So, uh, so I know that there are some folks who are hearing all this, and I, I hear you with this, who are like, you know, I care about justice, I care about these values, and it's important to me, but gosh, what if I'm tired? Like, what if there's just a lot going on right now, and what if there, you're kind of asking me to, like, pick up, like, another, like, 20-hour-a-week job, where all of a sudden I'm supposed to be, like, organizing people when I can't hardly organize a lunch to bring with me to work, where I'm, where I'm supposed to be, like, like, figuring out how I'm using my money towards justice when I can barely pay rent. Like, you're just adding another thing to my list of things to worry about, preacher. Like, why, why do you, I know that you're mad at me if you call me preacher. So that's, like, that's, like, uh, oh. but what if I don't got it in me? to do this. And gosh, you know, we're in just the throes of a whole lot of stuff going on. The pandemic is still a thing. Like, we're still grieving. There is death all over our city and in our community. The news is just as heavy as ever. And I know that there's some folks, you know, some folks in this community are like, I got gas in the tank. Let's go. But I also just want to give a shout out to that. There are some folks in our community who are like, I could barely like roll over on my bed, open up my laptop, and start this live stream. And now you're asking me to do this whole other thing. I don't have the cards for it. I, 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 it's, not, it's not there. Um, and to which I uh, gently and, and kindly respond that maybe there is a certain... All of these things are synonyms for each other, by the way. Passion, self-interest, calling, pleasure righteousness, whatever word is kind of like uh, calling to you right now, that, that somewhere inside of you, there's like a, there's like a, a, a little tug, a little, a little line that is like inviting you into a new space. And somewhere inside of you, there is a knowledge that if you were to step into that space a little bit more, it would unlock a certain energy, a certain um, gift, that would allow, that would make justice not just a chore, but make it rewarding. That, that justice wouldn't just be about like, oh my gosh, I have to do, go do this other thing. But justice could be something that is like, um, um, uh, like energizing. Because here's, here's the truth. 
For folks who have had uh, um, uh, a foot on their head their whole lives, for folks who have been uh, pressed down their whole lives, any time that we can step into any kind of space where we can experience even a fraction of freedom, even a whiff, a taste of freedom, that changes stuff. Like, I, I mean, we, we talk about this at the Incarnation Fund all the time, about the type of like, like there, it's like, the second that you start being a little free, like there's like something that's like, oh, I want more of that. Whatever that was, I, I want more of that. Queer people know this all the time. Like, uh, you know, like a, a story for a lot of folks is like, you know, you grew up uh, closeted or you're living closeted and then you kind of like travel to find a queer space and, and you show up to this space and all of a sudden it's like a thousand pounds are lifted off your shoulders because you can just kind of skip and frolic around. <laughs> Not all queers frolic, but I'm a frolicker. So uh, like you, you find a new spot and it's like, the reason why I'm so tired is because there was a thousand pounds on my shoulder. And, and if I find a space or a moment where like I don't have all of this weight on me, all of a sudden I have a lot more energy to do, uh, to do the kind of stuff that God is calling me to do because I'm not like actively defending myself from oppression that is trying to destroy me every moment of my existence. So there's kind of, there's kind of like, ah, oh, like that's what I'm talking about when I say calling or organizers call that self-interest. Like there's a certain kind of like, a breath, a, an awakening, a, a new life that happens when, uh, when you step into what the, the justice that you're called to. And so some of the task for you is to like, kind of like try different spaces, try different things until you discover that, that kind of lift, that moment that's like, oh my gosh, I, have ener- I don't have energy to add anything else on my plate except for this. Like, <laughs> I don't have energy for anything else. But this I can get into. And, and for some folks that's like, okay, I can write abolitionist poetry. And I don't know anything else about any of this, but like this is my jam. For some folks, it's like, we're gonna do like a, um, a body positive dance party. And we're just gonna, like, this is what we're gonna do. But, or for some folks, it's like, I, uh, uh, I have a hard time being around people a lot, but I love analyzing legislation. Like, hallelujah! Listen, like, abolitionist poetry, body positive dance parties, and legislative analysis are all part of the kingdom of God! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> like, we're all trying... So it's like... Well, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to mold yourself to becoming a certain type of, like, image of or stereotype of what an activist is supposed to be like i'm asking you to discover where you find liberation that is empowered by the holy spirit and protect that create space in your life for that to uh bring other people to that because that is ultimately how jesus works um so i I think another question for you to or another way to approach this is to ask yourself five questions that are mirrored off of the learnings Like, where geographically are you called? To whom are you called? What change are you passionate about rendering so that what could be different in the world for marginalized people? And then what? Like, ask yourself these questions as you're filling out this booklet, and don't be surprised if God gives you a 
maybe not like a whole picture of what justice is going to be like in your life because God is rarely so um, uh, showing a big picture, in part because we know that the big picture would freak us out. But but fill this out, right? Where it's like, if, if we were like, wait, you want to send me to where? Then we wouldn't even sign up for the thing. But God is like, you'll be ready for it. I know you'll be ready for it. So uh, use this just to take the next step. Um, if you are feeling excited about creating just a next step of justice, can you loudly say amen? Amen! amen.